Young Pro Show, hosted by Dom Fry, the insurance guy. Would you still do something great if nobody ever saw it? A podcast for young professionals to come together and talk about their goals and their path to get there. And if I fail, I'll fail forward. I sit down with other forward-thinking individuals and talk about what they are doing to accomplish their dreams of tomorrow. Maintaining strength while living in your purpose. Mm. Now let's dive into the next legendary episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Young Pro Show. Your host, Dom Fry, the insurance guy here. Uh, An amazing episode on deck that I'm very, very excited for. Quick summary of the last episode I had was... uh, Another phenomenal episode, um, inspiring conversation I had with John Suter and just talk about his heart, uh, you know, with being a firefighter and how we got into that position and how he just is thrilled for the opportunity to, you know, be able to save lives and be there for families, um, you know, and be able to save, you know, different brothers, sisters, parents, and, you know, just being able to save family members, um, you know, in those kind of instances and just use his expertise in that. So highly recommend you go out and check that last episode. But this episode, oh my goodness, the, um, before I even introduce the guest, actually, the first time I remember, my first memory of this guest was, <laughs> you probably already knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> I remember being in Herbster Chapel on Heidelberg University's campus, and it's like the middle of September. Not even, it's like beginning of September. I'm like cross country is just starting, and we have a meeting for track and field. And this coach, the first time he was first, uh, his first year at Heidelberg, he was a graduate assistant. And he comes into this meeting, and he is just fired up. And he's like running around the room trying to get us all hype, and half the room's getting hype with him, and the other half, is, you know, like myself, is scratching my head, like, what <laughs> is happening? And, you know, like in my head, I'm like, this is September. This is September. Like, track season doesn't start for me until January. I'm like, literally, track is the last thing on my mind right now, and this dude is just going off. And, and, if I remember correctly, I think even Jonas, one of our other coaches, I think he was just kind of sitting there like smirking and like, mm-hmm. you know, his personality was the exact <laughs> opposite. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited for the energy and the passion that the guest is going to bring today. And let's welcome on my man, Nate Scales. Nate, Woo! how are we doing? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling real good. Also, side note, you didn't tell me you was you were going to have me on the show after the great John Suter. I really got to bring my egg game now, man. That's a... <laughs> Step up to the plate, man. John's oh, was, man. Uh, the, the best thing about John's interview, actually, was when I reached out to him, his exact words were like, he's like, well, I, I mean, he's like, I'll be on your show to help you, but I'm not that interesting. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's fine, John. And then he just whew, drops a bomb, dude. That guy, you know, is similar to you, but he's just – very, very passionate and very yes. driven in everything that he does, um, you know, and you are that same way. You're probably a little bit more expressive than uh, than John is. But yeah, that's John, what... John will sneak up on you. If you John will yeah. sneak up on you. Like, shout out to John. Hopefully when he hears this, shout out to him. That's uh, that's great. That's a blast from the past, man. Wow. For so. sure. <laughs> but I feel like that's one of the things that I, again, initially it was maybe a little much for me, you know, not knowing you beforehand and again, mm-hmm. under the circumstances, like I mentioned, but that's one thing that I loved about you was how fired up you get and the passion and how vocal you are. And, you know, like when 
when it comes to things that I am passionate about, like I have that same type of energy, uh, you know, specific, <laughs> I laugh as I say it, but like pretty much any time from August to like January, you ever say Cleveland Browns around me and it's at least a 15 to 20 minute conversation. Like yep. I'm on my high horse and I'm just rolling and rolling and rolling, you know, and that's the way you are with, you know, you're in with football, the NFL. <laughs> if anybody follows you on Twitter, they know that they know oh, yeah. that you are, you know, the avid NFL fan and, you know, track and field and just all of your interest and such. Um, you're just a high energy guy, you know, and I love that. I love the high energy you bring. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. That's I always try to be that that way, and it's it's usually seeming like I'll go from you know just calm and you know sitting there, and then something happens, and the next thing you know, it, I'm just I'm ready to go, and I'm in it. And going back to that meeting, you know, that was that was the first time you know being on campus. Uh, you know, it's our first meeting, and I'm thinking of okay what's the best way to get these group of student athletes invested and excited hmm. about what we're going to be cooking up, you know, these next couple of years. Cause I mean, that was a, that was a legendary staff. I mean, we, it was me, we had Joe, we had Jonas, um, we had Jake, you know, we had Jake for yeah. a little bit and we yeah. had uh, Nick green too. So it was it was a, it was a pretty good staff, you know, and so I just wanted to I was excited about what we had, you know, coming for you guys. And so I wanted to fight, figure out the best way to relate that to you. And to be honest, I had a whole thing planned out. And then when I got in the room, you know, I saw how everybody was and I was like, ah, I'm excited. We're just going to go with whatever comes out of my mouth. next. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah, you know, and you talk about that coaching staff, that coaching staff was, uh, it really was perfect how the way everybody just meshed together. Because again, like I mentioned earlier, you were, you know, the vocal one, but Jonas was exact opposite. You know, he was that guy, you guys were equally motivated and equally, you know, perfecting your craft as a coach. And, you know, you were the same way when you're athletes, but like your styles of coaching were complete opposite. You know, mm-hmm. you were the vocal guy and Jonas was the guy who would stand there and, you know, maybe smirk when Wes had a really good jump or something. Yeah. And, but then afterwards, we'll be standing there on the side and be talking through things with him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I think you, the, that coaching staff that we had for that, you know, year or two just really uh, connected well together and meshed well together and just the different personalities and styles. Absolutely. And I think probably Joe appreciated you as well because I know he necessarily didn't really love being that. <laughs> you know, he didn't necessarily love being that uh, rah rah guy himself for the entire team, you know. Yeah. But awesome, man. Well, let's jump in a couple simple questions so that we can get to know you. All right. Uh, just a little bit better, you know. First and foremost, where were you born and raised at? All right. So I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and I, so I actually, I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. I lived in Hartford, Connecticut for a couple of years. Um, and then I moved right back to Ohio. So I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. And anybody who knows me is probably rolling their eyes right now because if you follow my Twitter <laughs> or you look at my Facebook or anything, I'm an avid Michigan Wolverines fan, uh, Dom, as you know, uh, but was born in enemy territory. I was born in Columbus, born and, <laughs> born and raised in Columbus, born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. So, so where did you know, it's interesting you bring that up uh, and being born in Columbus, where did that come from? You know, were your parents, you have a family member or what was the connection then to Michigan? 
So this is actually a fun story. Okay. Um, I was, my dad actually worked in Michigan. So um, when we started, before I was born, him and my mom, you know, were in Michigan and he was doing some work up there. So he was a fan way before I was. So then when I was born, that was the only thing that was on in the house. And mm-hmm. at me, at a young age, I was like, all right, it's football. You know, it's back before I was really like super interested in football. So I was like, all right, you know, it's football, whatever. Right. You know, but it was the only thing that I saw. So I think the only time that I really saw Ohio State, you know, in my household was, you know, the annual game at the end of the season, you know, when Michigan played Ohio State. That was probably the only time I ever saw them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older and having to I think being an athlete really put it into perspective for me being um, and I think you guys are the same way being an athlete who had in high school who had to compete against a few of those dual sport athletes that may or may not have gone on to uh, play football at the University of Ohio State. Um, it was different. You know, everybody was such a big fan of them. And I was like, okay, I, I have to see this person in competition mm-hmm. right. in the spring. So it's like, it was completely different <laughs> for me. And, and that was, that was honestly, it kicked in a little bit later, but that's kind of how I felt, you know, with, with Michigan, and that football team um, later on in my year, my sophomore year, my sophomore year in college, uh, I was at an indoor meet. We're at Notre Dame. We're at an indoor meet. Michigan was there and um, Denard Robinson was there. So wow. Denard was running the 60. Um, he beat me. I think he ran like seven Oh, I think he ran like seven Oh five. I ran seven Oh six. But like from that point on, I was so over Denard Robinson. Like before that, I was like, "Oh my God, he's the best." And I had to run against him. I'm like, eh, "All right, he's okay, cool." I was, I was so I was over that at that point. So um, that's kind of what it was. Also, one of my favorite colors is blue, and people, Joe in particular, has always laughed at this. One of my favorite colors is blue, and I absolutely cannot stand the color red. So scarlet and gray was just a no-go for me. That was one of the other reasons, but at a young age, scarlet and gray was not a go for me. So I was like, you know, this team is blue. Yellow's okay. Let's let's go with them. So Boom. Just born. Just born loving Michigan, man. There you, yes, um, absolutely. No, I mean, that definitely makes sense you explaining that. Obviously, you know, growing up watching the Michigan football and your dad being a Michigan fan and just that was – even though you were in Columbus, again, as a child, obviously you're not putting those pieces together. You're just, this is the team that we watch on Saturday, you know, yeah. and this is the uh, fan base that you have. And obviously you have those memories, um, you know, of watching those games and just being a part of that organization. And, you know, that makes sense. And it, it, it is funny you mentioned about, you know, <laughs> that different, that later stage in life then when you are competing against the athletes on, you know, the, um, again, whether it's in high school, probably competing against guys that were going to Ohio State or, mm-hmm. you know, later competing against Michigan or Ohio State athletes as well. And just, um, you know, there are people that you look on or you watch on TV and then it becomes, nope, they're my competition in the lane right next to me, you know? And yeah, then, exactly. Uh, totally different, um, you know, mindset then. That's cool. Uh, so outside, you know, of your career, outside of, you know, track or running, like what is a hobby? that you have, or what's something you're interested in? Ah, many, many hobbies. One of, one of my favorite hobbies, honestly, is because I have so much time just running around and, you know, yelling after people and recruiting calls and all these good things. So one of the things I like to do really as a hobby, just as a way to relax is, 
Um, I love love the video games. Love mm. playing. I used to I used to love playing NCAA football. Um, and that's coming and, back, isn't and it? It's, com- it's coming back. I okay. am. I have a PS4 right now, and I don't nice. think I think it's going to be for the new generation consoles, so like the PS5, Xbox One, or whatever they're calling that now. So I'm definitely getting rid of my PS4, saving <laughs> up. We're going to upgrade to the PS5 solely to get that game and play it on my downtime. So um, that another one of the, another thing I like to do. Um, is watch movies, just anything that's relaxing. And now being in San Antonio um, and living in Texas now, another thing that I like to do uh, is go out and eat. <laughs> there are so many, there are so many places to go out here, and just the diversity of the food and and the culture down here. Uh, it's, I mean, there's so many things to do, so many things to eat. So I'm looking at it like, all right, let's hurry up, get done with practice. I got to go back home so I can eat something. Right. I got to go try something new. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. That's cool, man. So, a big gamer and, uh, yeah, you know, just living in a big city and having lots of options for food, dude. Um, and just constantly, I mean, that's cool. Switching up your diet and trying new places and um, and just having that diversity, like you said. And mm-hmm. what you're podcasts eating. are fun, too. I'm not, I would say podcasts, I've got, I really got into listening to podcasts over this whole quarantine. So, I would definitely say, you know, podcast things are a hobby, even though this is only my second podcast that I've been on. Nice. Um, if anybody out there is listening to this podcast and runs their own podcast and would like to persuade <laughs> me to get on their podcast <laughs> once again, you know, so it's, I mean, it's fun. Like I said, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, hearing from you and, Hey, you want to be on my podcast? I was like, absolutely. You know, <laughs> uh, cause I never got to be on the talk show, you know, that you did at Heidelberg with, uh, with Kevin, Kevin Nash. Kyle. I don't know. He's probably watching. I'm so sorry, Kyle. I'll go but, him, you guys. I mean, that I, I was like, man, that'd be fun to be on. But I never got to be, I never got a chance to be on that. So we never um, had you in the studio. No, we. I mean, I know that you know that was when you were gone from Heidelberg, and we were interviewing everybody uh, at Myrtle Beach at that spring break meet. And, yeah, and we interviewed you there for like you know two minutes or whatever. We interviewed like a bunch of people for like two minutes, and then just threw it all together and then called it like a spring break, um, nasty fries episode. But wow, man. I guess now that now that you say that, you're right. I don't think we ever brought you in the studio, man. I'm sorry about that. Oh no, you're good. It would have been fun, but you're good. It would have been fun. I, was like, I know we we had other coaches in there. You um, did. I know we had Jonas. Jonas was in there at least once. I can think of, but hey, whatever. You know what? You're on the Young Pro <laughs> Show now, man. Here and, now, so uh, it's all that's good. Right. That's right. So you mentioned that you are in, let's, I guess, kind of transition a little bit in regards to your career. Uh, you mentioned you are in San Antonio. Uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about Dragon Field, but, you know, what is your career? What are you doing now in San Antonio? Um, so right now what I'm doing in San Antonio, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm working with the uh, track and field team at Texas Lutheran University. And, I mean, it's, it's, it is a great, great group of kids. Um, they're competitive. They are very competitive. I mean, it's even even at practice every day is just a it's a back and forth with a lot of the kids. And and that makes it a lot. That makes my job a lot easier and a lot more fun. Um, A lot of them are self-motivated. So they set goals for themselves and they really are driven, you know, to accomplish those goals. Um, So it's been fun. It's competitive. They work hard and they know how to have fun. So, um, 
It's it's been good. They kind of remind they kind of remind me of you guys. Uh, shout out to the old old Heidelberg squad back in the days. They kind of remind me of you guys. So nice. um, it's it's definitely been a blessing to to be down here and to just continue to work with them. And uh, so that's what I'm that's what I'm doing right now. So awesome. Well, let's go back. So now that we know what you are doing today, let's go back in time and let's go back to 18 year old Nate Scales. So you graduate. <laughs> You graduate high school, you know, at that point, what were your career goals or what did you think you were going, you know, what was the plan for the next phase of life? Okay, so <clears throat> the next, the, my next phase of life, um, at that point, I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted to run and I actually had to set some new goals. So uh, funny story, backstory, in eighth grade, because I, in eighth grade, I had a couple of friends who, you know, we all decided that we were going to set some pretty, you know, lofty goals for ourselves uh, to try and accomplish by the time we left, uh, left high school and, you know, left Ohio for college. Um, and so uh, a few of my goals, a few of my goals, one was to get a full ride scholarship to Michigan to play football. The second goal was to win the Heisman as a freshman, first nice. ever, first ever freshman to do it. And then obviously Johnny Manziel came along and, you know, <laughs> messed that up for me. But that's fine. <laughs> Neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, own all the rushing records in school history. And then finally graduate and go on to be a first round pick in the NFL draft. So, so football, uh, that's where, that's what, where you thought your career yes. was going. Uh, it, I realized very quickly in high school that was that was not going to be the case. Might need to rewrite a couple of those goals. <laughs> uh, so, but I, w- I will say at the end at the end of the day, I at least got two things accomplished off of that. I was you know able to earn a scholarship to a, a Division One university in Kent State University uh, to run track and field there. And even though it wasn't Michigan, it was still a school whose colors were uh, blue and gold. So there you go. So there I was like, okay, I'm two, I'm two for six. All right. I can live with two for six at this point. Time to get real. I can live with two for six. Um, So, you know, going back to being 18, I knew, again, I wanted to, I wanted to go to college. I wanted to further my athletic career. Um, But I also wanted to, I also was at that point starting to get a sense of the real world and what I wanted to do. Um, after I was done running in college and it, it changed multiple times. But at 18, I was, there was no way you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to be on ESPN being a, being a college football or an NFL football analyst, or just up in the booth, you know, um, being a color commentator. So um, that's where I was headed at 18. I was like, I'm going to run, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to be working for ESPN. So those those were my career goals when I was eighteen. So did you go to school then? Like, do you get your degree uh, in like broadcast journalism at Kent State? I did, I did, um, okay. and I actually, I actually did have an internship with ESPN. Whoa. Um, my senior year, I didn't actually get to go. People hear that all the time. They're like, "Oh my god, really?" I'm like, yeah, the story gets worse. I didn't, I didn't get to go. They, they told me, they, they told me to say, "Hey." you know, we're considering you for one of these spots. And so I was like, oh, okay, great. This is cool. You know, and it was at the local uh, ESPN uh, regional network in Cleveland. And uh, then right after that email, about two days later, they were like, sorry, went with somebody else. I was like, well, there's the end of that. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a low blow. Like, wouldn't you think, 
You know, they, they would word it as in like, hey, you're still available, not yet yeah, it's your position. Ah, JK, we're actually going to withdraw that. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's when I learned it was a cutthroat business, hmm. you know. And that's uh, they had a lot of applicants, and that's you know I'm kind of short paragraph phrase, short phrase of the uh, the, uh, right. the email, but they uh, they had a lot of applicants, you know. So I wasn't the only one, um, but it was like, oh man, like this is actually gonna happen. I was like, I've been talking a lot of junk to a lot of people <laughs> for a long time about this. Like, it's actually gonna happen now. So, but just to be. I mean, for me, just to be able to have that opportunity and be considered for that opportunity, I thought I was like, okay, great. So at least I know there's there's something in it. So um, that kind of led to me just being able to to freelance and do what I wanted to do on Twitter. I was like, all right, well, they're not gonna pick me. That's cool. Somebody somebody's <laughs> gonna see these tweets and these analysts. So. I, it's not gonna be ESPN, but it's gonna be somebody. So there, that dude. Now that makes sense. That's your heart behind, you know, the uh, <laughs> the football talk and the you know all the game analysis and such on Twitter is. You know, you're thinking with all this knowledge that I'm spitting out, somebody is going to contact me. I'm waiting for ESPN, Bleacher Report, you know, Fox Sports, somebody. Um, now I see it, man. Now Which is- I see it. Even funnier, because, you know, at, at that point back when I was doing it, um, I do it. I still do it, not as much, but I still do it. Um, but back in the day, it was, it was rampant. It was probably like every other tweet. And, you know, y'all would get mentions on Twitter, you know, from, from some of you guys and yeah. other people like, hey, you know, you want you want the latest sports info, you know, go check out Nate's Twitter page. He should be on ESPN. And I like, get the back of my mind. I'm like, little do you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, it, but yeah, it's. I mean, I've I've loved sports from a young age, and the 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 motivation, and I think just the pure passion and and the excitement, you know, on those student athletes' faces, you know, moving from college, you know, even to the professional level. That's that's what I fell in love with, and um, I would just do research and look up stats, kind of just to pass the time in high school, and then the next thing you know, it was it was a thing for me at that point. So it was it's it's fun. That's awesome, man. So you graduate from Kent State. You have your degree in broadcast journalism. Uh, you know, what was kind of the next step for you then? Like, were you applying for, you know, broadcast, uh, you know, different radio jobs or TV jobs? Or, you know, what did, I mean, obviously I know that, you know, you ended up going <laughs> to Heidelberg and, you know, you were a GA. Um, but, you know, was that the plan when you graduated or were you looking for a job? Or what did that look like? So that actually, that actually was, that actually shifted to be the plan um, when I graduated. So when I, when I graduated Kent, um, you know, in the spirit of, in the spirit of keeping it real, I did not have it all together. I did not have <laughs> what I planned. I did not have everything planned out. Like I was, I graduated and I was like, okay, now what am I going to do? All right. <laughs> it's like, there's no school. So I, I was like, what am I going to do? And uh, I started working as a um a private uh not a private personal trainer but a personal trainer uh, i worked up in cleveland at a place called now called the uh, cleveland sports institute and so i worked with a wide range anybody from football to softball uh i had some tennis players really i had just about everybody but track and field <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was interesting uh but 
at that point, that's I, I really like going because then I would get invited out to the to the football games, um, to the soccer games, and I think that's that's really when I realized that that's kind of what I wanted to do. Like I was like, all right, if I'm not, you know, if I'm not gonna be, you know, working for ESPN or doing that, coaching coaching is the next best thing. Um, and so uh, I was actually contracted out to a program in Northeast Ohio, uh, Notre Dame Cathedral Latin High School. Um, and that's actually where I kind of started my, my coaching career. So I worked with them in high school. It was my first, first time ever coaching. I'll tell you what, it is different when you are the athlete asking the coach what's for practice and then giving you an answer versus to be in the one that's giving out the giving mm-hmm. out the workouts. I mean, they I think they came in there the first day. I'll never forget one of the first days of practice. <laughs> like, hey coach, what are we doing for the workout? In the back of my mind, I was like, oh yeah, I do gotta give you guys a workout, huh? <laughs> I was like, well, you guys do have to do something to practice, huh? Okay. All right. So this is how this coaching thing goes. Um <laughs> but we I mean they they were phenomenal kids to work with. So uh, they ended up qualifying to the state meet um, in the four by two and the four by four on the women's side. And uh, while I was at the meet, um, one of Joe's friends actually was at the meet. Uh, he was working at my alma. He was coaching at my alma mater. And uh, he asked me if I still wanted to coach in college. And I, at that point, that was the only thing I was thinking about. I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um so he was like, "Are you sure you're gonna have to go back to school?" And he he was a uh, he was a uh, he was an athlete and a teammate of mine while I was at Kent State. Um, so he kind of knew, you know, he he knew me m- more than most. So he was like, "Are you sure you want to do this? You got to go back to school." And I didn't even hesitate. I was like, "Yeah, it'll be fine. I did it once. I can do it twice. I'll go back." <laughs> um, and that's that's how I ended up at uh, that's how I ended up at Heidelberg. So wow, man, dude, that is I did not know that. Uh, I guess I didn't realize that you know you took that. Uh, that gap between Kent State and coming to Heidelberg. Um, but it's also cool. I feel like it's awesome seeing like that experience as a personal trainer, and that's what really got your heart set on coaching was, okay, I love this personal training and love you know, working with uh, general athletes in whatever sport they may be, but like I want to get into what my passion was and what I enjoyed to do was track and field. And you're also, you know, like we said at the very beginning too, very determined from the beginning. They said, yeah, sure, I'll go back to school, more than glad to get, you know, another degree to go through it and, you know, to go all into this coaching thing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a, well, you know, ah, you know, it doesn't seem like there was much hesitation that it was, yep, I'm willing to go back to school, willing to, you know, put in the hours. Like I, between the personal training and the coaching in the high school setting, I know that this is, you know, what I want next in my career. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. So then you went to Heidelberg. So you graduate from Heidelberg, get your master's there, and then you you know you get that coaching experience there. Um, you know what did the next? So that was two years. You know coaching sprints primarily at Heidelberg. From there, then what did the next job opportunity look like? So the next job opportunity was at Colgate University, which is in Hamilton, New York, and that's about an hour outside of Syracuse. Um, which is funny because that position was actually for pole vault. And that was something that I hadn't at the time. Well, John knows if <laughs> John's listening, John knows at the time pole vault wasn't something that I had a lot of experience with. Um, you know, coach Yoder kind of wanted, 
you know, somebody else that was going to be willing to, and I was like, ah, Pobo sounds fun. How hard could it be? I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, then, you know, then I get into it and I was like, oh man, this is, but I, Pobo is probably one of the most, uh, exciting events, you know, to coach next to, um, next to high jump and, and long and triple, which is crazy. Um, being a sprints coach, you know, for me, that's kind of where I was. That's what I'd done all my life. And then that's what I did at, at, at Heidelberg. So to come in and have to put together, you know, a, a more detailed training program um, for the pole vaulters, there was a lot of research to, to go into that. Um, a lot of talking to coaches, you know, talking to friends, you know, making new connections. There was just so there was just so there were so many things that went into it. And for me, um, the way I like to do things is, you know, if you're going to if, if you're going to do something, you know, do it, do it all the way, you know, do it, do it to the max is basically it. And so I really I didn't want to step in and, and be a pole vault coach that that just got their kids by. Like, I really wanted to make sure that they could be successful and that they could do what they wanted to do and accomplish their goals. Because I think looking back as an athlete. One of those things that I look for in my coaches, okay, I want to make sure that you can get me to where I want to be. And so I didn't, I never wanted to be that, you know, my mindset with coaching is never really wanting to be that coach that's just like, ah, okay, go, 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 go do this. And then, you know, if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose, whatever. Like I'm always, what can we do better? What can we do to help you, you know, reach your goals and then celebrate when you reach those goals? Um, whether they're small or whether they're big in nature, whether you're not the best kid on the team or whether you are the best kid on the team, I try to treat every student athlete with the same energy and excitement as somebody who's not so good who gets a PR to somebody who's a conference champion that gets a PR. Um, so I always wanted to, I always wanted to give them that peace of mind as a coach, as you know, this is, this is me. I can come in, I can, I can help you. We can develop and you can, you can do better and you can accomplish those goals. And so um, at the same time, you know, I tell my kids now, you know, I was like, look, we're, you're here for four years. So while, you know, while I'm here helping you, you know, run fast and jump high, I might as well, you know, impart on you some life lessons as well. So you're ready to graduate, go out to the real world and not act a fool. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, dude, I, I love the willingness that you have just to jump into it. You know, I, again, that is similar to you know your jump, willingness to jump into coaching, but then your willingness to just jump into you know this pole vault position. Uh, you know, for a school in New York and having very little experience in that previously. I guess my question for you, my follow up question on that is. For you, obviously, you have the mentality of, yeah, I want constant evaluation and, like, I want, you know, whatever goals the athletes have that I want to make sure that they reach those goals. And you are, you know, very driven and wanted to, you know, be the best pole vault coach you could and to, um, you know, yeah, just provide for those athletes what they were looking for. But was it challenging at all or did you receive any potential negative feedback because you did not have that prior experience or were the athletes for the most part, you know, very open to, uh, you know, your coaching during that time. 
So <laughs> I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. Yeah. These at the time they the the kids that I worked with had no idea that that was my first year coaching pole vault. Okay. And <laughs> the reason is, you know, not to, you know, not to, you know, not to be like, oh, I can't believe you did. When, when you tell student athletes something as that, such as that, you got to keep in mind, this is something that they have been doing, you know, if not all their life, but at least the last four years of their life. So this right. is something that they're pretty invested in, you know, and, when people are faced with things that they are uncertain of, they're unsure of, or just don't know a lot about, one of the biggest reactions that they can have, or one of the biggest thoughts, or that they could have, is not is is fear of the unknown, or un un being just being unsure, like all right, how is this going to work out? And then if they're thinking about that, that's what they're focused on. They're not focused on what you're telling them. You know, they're hearing you. But they're they're second guessing it. They're questioning based off of well, you've never done this before, so how do you know that that's right? right. So, uh, I didn't tell them. I didn't tell them that was my first year of coaching uh, pole vault. I walked in there with all the confidence in the world and said, mm-hmm. "We're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna try this, and this is you know." Let, basically, it was it was a it was a feedback thing, and so for me as a coach. I've always been a coach of, okay, how did this feel? How does this, how does this look? What do you think you need to focus on? It's always, it's always a feedback thing because as an athlete, you know your body better than anybody else on the planet. So if something in particular works for you, I need to know. And so we can incorporate that into what I have planned. You know what I mean? Um, and that's just always how I've approached coaching. So uh, yeah, they, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure if they were listening now, they'd be like, what? You <laughs> but yeah, they they had no idea that that was my first year uh, coaching pole vault. Um, I just went in there and it sort of to kind of get away from that that block of okay, does he know what he's does he really know what he's doing because this is his first year. Um, but even in conversation, like it never even came up in conversation that like you know, especially as they got to know you better, they're like, hey, you know, what was your career like? before this or what'd you do before this and it was never like a yeah i ran the 60 and 200 or like you know know, they never at like that never came up in conversation at least until you know you had established their trust i suppose but i when they did you know they did start to ask like hey what did you do you know what events did you run in college you know i'd always i ran the i ran the sprints um and i would just kind of leave it at that you know what i mean like i'd be like god i sprinted it i sprinted and gotcha sometimes i did this and this and then for them it was like oh, okay so maybe he tried pole vault you know because pole vault something that you 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 read that it's a very technical event so you either have to do a lot of research about it or have some experience in it and i actually fortunately got both um <laughs> Because when I was learning, and I forget his name, but he was a vaulter um, at Tiffin University. Um, and so I asked him one night, you know, just kind of some ins and outs about pole vaulting, the basics of it. And the first thing he told me was, well, you can't coach pole vault until you actually do it. That's a rule. And I was like, doesn't sound like any rule I've ever heard. What? <laughs> this is going to be fun. So why not? Um Ironically, actually, my, ironically, my first my first encounter at pole vault, I was a freshman in high school, and you know they're having a day, first day of practice, where you can kind of go 
and try all the events you want to try. And Pole Vault stuck out to me. So I was like, let's go watch Pole Vault. And as I'm walking over to Pole Vault from the from the hundred meter uh, <laughs> from the hundred meter start line, I'm walking over and the girl attempts she plants, and on her way up, her pole snaps in half. I tell you, I I never in my life have I turned around and walked away from something. <laughs> you know what? I'm just this hundred. It's safe. It's a straight line. You know, I'm, let's stay here. This, this was this was a good choice for me. So that was my first introduction to pole vault. And so, as he's telling me, you know, you you have to try it. And to be able to coach it, that's that that girl snapping her pole was replaying in my mind. And I was like, well, if I don't make it back to Heidelberg, this is somebody's somebody's going to find me here. <laughs> so um, but it was I mean, it was exhilarating. Like I was like, man, it, it was it was so fun. And uh, that's kind of how I got started um, with that. And so um yeah, I mean, it would it it, it 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 never really came up, mostly because I never really, I did, not that I never really allowed it to come up. It was just like, oh, I, you know, I, I I did a few things here and there in college, but let's enough of that. Let's go back to these jumps. Right. So, so you were just very brief, you know, and they necessarily didn't, uh, you know, ask any more questions, and they just, oh yeah, okay, you were a sprinter, and probably and they probably just assumed that you had that experience. But I think that yeah. also says a lot to. Like you mentioned, just talking with confidence, and obviously you had done enough research on the back end before you even going there that it wasn't. It was kind of humor, you know. It's kind of funny now looking back, but like it it wasn't even like a doubt in their mind that you know you were speaking confidently, and obviously you had done enough research beforehand that they figured, yeah, this guy knows enough, and he's talking well enough. Like he knows. Sure, he has pole vaulted, you know, and it wasn't yeah. even something that they were like, dude, this guy, you know, I just think of the exact opposite, how potentially um, that it would have been a terrible situation if they could feel, you know, if they felt like, dude, this guy does not sound like he knows what he's talking about. He doesn't seem mm-hmm. to know pole vault. And then it's almost like they're asking questions to be like, dude, is this guy even a pole vaulter? You know? exactly. But like that was never even obviously never even a thought in their mind. So that was probably part of the reason they never really asked even those further questions because, yeah, they just assumed you were a pole vaulter and moved forward from there. You know, um, yeah. wow. So that's cool. Cool how, <laughs> yeah, just being able to walk and talk with confidence and how that was. But I mean that. For- I'm sorry. That goes back to uh, that goes back to the first meeting at Heidelberg, which. You know, people still to this day remember what I did that first <laughs> that first meeting. That was, I you know, from the get go, that wasn't even like the hype up speech. You know, I'm walking in there, and because I didn't know you, I was like, okay, well, nobody knows me, nobody right. knows my name, right? So I was like, let's let's have some fun with this, you know. So uh, I, you know, first thing I do is introduce myself as Jerry. You know what I mean? I do remember that. <laughs> and you guys are like, Jerry. And I was like, no, nope, just kidding. It's not. It's Nate. And they were like, I think the look on some of your guys is Nicole. Nicole in, Nicole in particular looked like she had just been betrayed. Like all the just went out the window. So. That's hilarious, man. Um, all right. So you spent this time at Colgate. And then you mentioned if I – so then the straight from Colgate, you went to Texas Lutheran University where you are now. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was, 
Uh, is my assumption correct that that was primarily then to get in as like a sprints coach? And yes. That was so the main, you know, heart or main focus behind that transition. Yeah, I I did work with the sprinters um, and the hurdlers at Colgate. Um, eventually, I did get to do that, where you know the head coach, who um, also fun story about that. I have a ton of fun stories, but fun story <laughs> about my. <laughs> Fun story about the head coach at Colgate, who is now the head coach at uh, Cleveland State. Her and I were uh, teammates in the in college. She was at Ball State University. I was at Kent State, so they're in the same conference. She was there. Uh, she was about. I think she was a fifth year as I was a freshman. So I didn't technically know who she was. I like I knew who she was because she was really good. So she had a lot of records. So I knew of her. Um, but I didn't actually know who she was. And then she actually came and did an interview when I first unofficially met her. She did an interview at Kent state, my fifth year at Kent state. Um, we had a coach leave. And so she came in and she came in and she was doing an interview for that position. And that's actually when I first met her, um, and knew who she was, you know, from her athletic days, but didn't really think I was ever going to see her again. Um, because at that point in time, a couple, you know, weeks had passed, we had hired, you know, our, our coach. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm probably never going to see her again. And then sure enough, you know, <laughs> my boss for two and a half years at Colgate. So, That's so funny. yeah, that was, yeah, it was, that was a roundabout way. So funny how that works. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and this is, is this year number two at Texas losing? Uh, yeah, so this is going to be year number two for me uh, okay. down here. And so I'm working with the sprinters. Um, I have the male hurdlers, and then I have the high jumpers as well. Okay, nice. Um, so what does, you know, for you, for you as an individual, and, you know, right now with him coaching and had multiple experiences, you know, the GA at Heidelberg, the pole vault coach at Colgate, and you know now doing the sprints and hurdles and high jump at Texas Lutheran. Like, what do what is the next five years? As of now, what is your goal for the next like five ten years as Nate scales? And where do you see yourself? So for the next five years, at least for right now, um, I I love where I'm at. This I mean this team is is great, and so um, it would be nice to be able to see this freshman class off you know, as seniors, I think that's, uh, that is a special thing as a coach to be able to, uh, recruit a kid, have them come in as a freshman, be there, you know, for all four years and then see them graduate. Hmm. Um, I think that's a, that's a, that's a huge and special thing. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, the, uh, the, the, the goal is to be a head coach. Um, so that's that's what I'm constantly working towards and striving for uh, for these next five years. Definitely. Uh, I see myself here, uh, you know, as long as I don't screw this up. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I see myself here um, and just, you know, continuing to work, uh, grow, growing and developing as an assistant coach and then uh, eventually moving into that head coach role. That's awesome. Um, you know, even I made the comment earlier about, you know, the energy that you brought at Heidelberg and how much Joe appreciated that, you know, because yeah. Joe was the, at that time, Heidelberg, the head track coach. And for him, you know, he just uh, head coaching 
just wasn't you know what was best for him for him he more so fit the role and loved the role as the assistant coach so you know for you I definitely see again just the energy and the passion that you have and how really as a head coach that would be phenomenal honestly I think that would be you know you have great characteristics to be a head coach and just to be you know the leader of the men and women um you know on the team or i suppose if you're at a university that just has a men's or women's coach but um you know just to be that overall head coach and to be in charge of everything and because of that passion that you bring and because of even the details you know you talked about like i i feel like i'm still trying to wrap my mind behind the whole the whole pole thing and the fact that like you had no experience, but yet you did so much uh, studying and so much work beforehand with your confidence that you were able to instill that confidence in your athletes, and um, that, that's just awesome. And that is really, at the end of the day, kind of what a head coach is. You know, it's a head coach. Yeah. It's, it's instilling that confidence and making you know, giving that who, giving that rah rah speech. <laughs> And, uh, you know, just having your athletes prepared and confident going into race day. Absolutely. I think even with pole vault, and that's the, that's, uh, that's the biggest credit to John, you know, who was on here uh, before me. But that, uh, that honestly was the biggest credit to me to, to be able to work with him because um, that was my really – that was my first time, you know, with working with, with a vaulter, you know, just kind of getting him ready to be a multi-vaulter. Right. And – he, I, I think he was probably, he's, I know mean, he's probably listening to this now, probably laughing and, and smirking, but he was probably the only <laughs> one who was like, yeah, I knew he, I knew he, I knew he didn't go to mobile. <laughs> he had to work with me. But John, John never, John never said anything. Like he never complained. He never looked at me like, are you sure this is right? I mean, he just, mm. he trusted what I said and he went out there and did it. And I think, being able to incite that passion in him, it was more of, okay, you can do this. Let's just put you in a position to do it and and be passionate about it and trust in yourself. Um, and let's go out and get this thing done. And so I think one of the small victories at that point, even for Povel, was to watch him actually go to a meet, you know, because it was, it was fun at practice. But then, you know, then it comes meet time. And that's where I was like, okay, so this is probably going to be my last time working with Pole Vault. Probably going to get fired after this. <laughs> <laughs> John gets over a couple bars. Uh, we, I think we were at Finley. And John gets over a couple bars. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, cool, great. This this works. I was like, we can do this. <laughs> so um, shout, out, shout out to John. Because I think as an, as an athlete, that's something that goes a long way um, as – for a coach that sometimes maybe athletes don't really see, but just having that trust, you know, in your coach and, and, and the willingness to work with them under any of the, any circumstances, um, having that trust and having that drive to want to be better um, and having that trust in your coach. I mean, it's, it's huge. You know, he, he gets over the bars. He's like, yeah, great. You know, cause he, like you said, he gets fired up in his own way. And so to see that, you know, gives gave me confidence, and you know, so um, I appreciate that more than more than he knows that that was you know that was kind of my foot in the door for pole vaulting um, as I went on to to Colgate and you know continue to actually deeply work more or work more deeply uh, with with the vaulters there. And shout out to them too because they were they were the same way. Um, and I guess the fun little bow on that whole pole vaulting story is um, the, one of the girls that I work with had the uh, school record in the indoor and outdoor pole vault. 
So that's awesome, dude. That is awesome. Uh, I love it. What a great story, dude. Um, yeah, as we wrap up this podcast, Nate, I have one more uh, a major question for you. All Last right. question I always ask all my guests is, you know, what are you doing today? What are you practically doing today to reach your dreams of tomorrow? So in your case, you know, <laughs> you've had multiple years of experience, you know, within coaching and uh, a couple different events, you know, within track and field. And, you know, as the assistant coach, you mentioned, you know, you love where you are at now, um, but long-term would love to be a head coach. So, like, what are you practically doing today to prepare yourself to be a head coach in the future? Uh, it's honestly as simple as asking questions. Um, so I do – I go to every symposium I can. Um, I go to every Zoom webinar. You know, I take notes, ask questions, uh, make connections and just talk to just talk to people um and just asking okay why are why are you doing it like this why is it done this way why do i have to do this which mm. as if, and if joe listens to this podcast and he knows that is 100 percent true <laughs> joe used to tell me to go do everything you know at, at heidelberg <laughs> hey take this over there hey do this hey get th-. and i'll be just be like well, why can't you do it? You know what I mean? I was like, you sit right there at the desk. You do it, you know? Um, <laughs> but it was stuff that now, I now realize is, you know, if you want to be a head coach, these are the things that you have to do. And so, um, you know, in that roundabout way, he was kind of helping prepare me for that too. Like this is, you know, if you really want to do this, this is the the operation side of it. And you're going to have to do these things. And so it's better that you understand how to do it now um, then get there and not know how to do it at all. So, um, asking questions like that, having people like Joe, I mean, my head coach now is like that. My head coach at my past school was like that. So it's just been fortunate to work under my head coach now and then work under Joe, um, and my former head coach, Amber Williams, where, I mean, they just kind of put me on a path of, you know, this is what you need to do. This is what these things look like. Um, and just allowing me to ask those questions and not see it as why do you keep at, why are you asking me so many questions? You know what I mean? Um, right, just right. kind of seeing it as okay, he needs he wants to know how to do this. I'll explain it to him. Um, and I've adopted that with my with my student athletes as well. You know, they've they've got questions, and at the end of the day, they're asking why more so because they wanna they wanna know why they're doing it. They wanna know why they're getting better. Um, I mean, these kids are, are trans intrinsically motivated. And so they're asking more so because they want to know why they're doing it so they can get better. So they can, they can understand the workout. And so for me, I've never been afraid to answer a question of, you know, why are we doing this? And, you know, some people may see it as, oh, you don't trust the workout. Okay, go run 50 laps. I'm like, for me, it's just like, you, you, you need to understand this. So I, I encourage you to ask me why so that I can explain it because, you know, I tell them, like, I'm not going to be running with you. Like, I'm not going to be there on the line with you while you're running. So if you know how to execute without me having to say anything, you're going to set yourself up for success. And kind of in the roundabout way, it was the same thing with me asking questions of, of Coach Yoder um, and Coach Williams and, and, and my current head coach now of, you know, why are we doing it like this? So that I can understand it and execute it when the time comes, you know, for myself. Boom. I love it, man. So simple, uh, really, but such a, a game changer. And just asking yes. questions, you know, asking questions of those that 
are already in that position and just always wanting to learn, you know, always wanting to learn, always wanting to, you know, you talk about understanding the operational aspect of coaching that, you know, as far as being a head coach, there's a lot more of the operational things that are going on beyond just the day-to-day coaching. So just trying Mm -hmm. to understand all aspects, um, you know, of being a head coach. And, And that's awesome that you have been in those positions to where, those head coaches around you have been, you know, so willing to, you know, just provide information and provide opportunities for you to be able to grow and just to help you, um, you know, walk along in that path. Absolutely. So it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's a fun journey. It's been a fun journey and I'm, you know, I'm excited to, to see where it goes. And I mean, it's, it's something that I, you know, what I'm doing right now is something that I think can be, you know, applied to, to everybody, you know, whether you're in coaching or whether you're not in coaching, you know, whatever your, whatever your career is, asking questions and, and getting that knowledge and just never really, never having a, having a willingness to never really stop learning. That's going to help it. That's going to help set you up, you know, wherever you are in life and wherever you're going, wherever you want to do with your careers and your goals. And then the other thing is to just be yourself. That you know, you know better than anybody else. I march to the beat of my own drum. Oh. Um, but it's that's what it's being being authentic and being yourself and and being real. That's so much more appreciated and will help you out. You know, with with everything that you have going on in your life. Um, which I know you didn't ask me for any advice, but if I did have one piece of advice. <laughs> If I did have one piece of advice, that's what it would be to just continue to march to the beat of your own drum and, and trusting yourself, believing yourself and understand that you're you're good enough to get the job done, whatever it whatever it is. So. That's awesome, man. I love it, dude. Love the advice. Love the yeah practical advice for anybody, any industry or wherever they are at. Um, dude, I love it. Nate Scales, thank you so much for coming on, dude. I'm so thankful for those couple of years. Uh, you know, that we had to spend that time together with you as a coach at Heidelberg. Um, yeah, I mean, I know we briefly talked about it before, but I just, that coaching staff was just so much fun. It, it was really awesome. And, you know, for me, by far, I would say those were probably the best two years of track and field that I had at Heidelberg. Yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, I believe it was my sophomore and my junior year. Um, mm-hmm. So then, you know, the uh, the downside of it was, you know, it, my senior year, at least, and you know, and obviously success plays into that as well. And, you know, for me, like my junior year was my best year of competing individually, but like senior year, I just remember it not being as much fun. And I think a large part of that was, you know, without you coaches and without, you know, that coaching staff you guys had in those couple of years. And it was, it was awesome. And it was a great time in my life. And I just really appreciated everything to you and Jonas and Nick and, you know, Ron and Brian and Joe, um, you know, it, it, yeah, Jake was there for that year as well. Oh, I forgot about, how, how could I forget about Coach Ron Martin? He yeah. was. He was there that first was, year. He was there yeah, the first he year, was. then he ended up leaving, and yeah, it was Brian. <laughs> Brian. Um, but nonetheless, man, just an awesome coaching staff, and you are awesome, and I just really appreciate you spending your time. Come on the show and just kind of talk about your story and, um, yeah, just your insight. Well, no problem, man. I, I really appreciate you having me on here and, and and I shout out to you and everybody else, you know, for making my time at Heidelberg uh, what it was because it was it was it was very memorable. And, you know, I always find myself thinking back to random memories, you know, random fun things and it just 
the time that I had there was great. Um, and so, like I said, I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, and, you know, now even fun story about you for the listeners. I mean, the first time we met, you were just you always had that characteristic like laugh like, ha you're kind of crazy. Get away from me. Because <laughs> uh, I would always come over and, you know, it's it's one thing to be hyped for a hundred meter dash. It's a whole other thing to try to get somebody hyped to go run a 3K or a 5K, right. you know, uh, and you just would look at me like, ah, okay, great. Get out of my face. I'm going to go sleep now. I'll run until later. Uh, but even then, you would come around to it and, and display that that passion and, and that swagger. And that's the first time I ever really saw a distance runner run with the sleeve. You and, and Isaac and the headbands. And I was like, okay. I was like, oh, they rock it. Like, this is great. Then I go to hype you guys up and you look at me like I was crazy. <laughs> so I was like, all right. <laughs> Yeah, we tried to we tried to tell ourselves we tried to you know brand ourselves as if we weren't you know just your stereotypical long distance runner you know that yeah. we tried to in our heads that we're like we are we like to think of ourselves as athletes and we're not just the stereotypical runner who runs in circles all day long but then can't walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thank Nate. Thank you, Nate. Thanks again for coming on, and really appreciate your time, man. No problem, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Young Pro Show. You can interact on social media. The Young Pro Show is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My personal pages can be found at DJFry25. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to the show. I love you all from the bottom of my heart. And God bless you.